It's Sunday, October 2nd, and this is Brian with the Morning News. Give us five minutes and we'll give you the headlines you need to know to be in the know. Russia pulled troops out Saturday from an eastern Ukrainian city that it had been using as a frontline hub after it was encircled by Ukrainian forces. It was the latest victory for the Ukrainian counteroffensive that has humiliated and angered the Kremlin. Russia's withdrawal from Lyman complicates its internationally vilified declaration just a day earlier that it had annexed four regions of Ukraine. Taking the city paves the way for Ukrainian troops to potentially push further into land that Moscow now illegally claims as its own. The Ukrainian flag is already in Lyman, Donetsk region. Fighting is still going on there, but there is no trace of any Suedo referendum there, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said in his nightly address Saturday. He was referring to referendums that Russia held at gunpoint in the four regions before annexing them. Back in the U.S., dozens of Florida residents left their flooded and splintered homes by boat and by air on Saturday as rescuers continued to search for survivors in the wake of Hurricane Ian. While authorities in South Carolina and North Carolina began taking stock of their losses, the death toll from the storm, one of the strongest hurricanes by wind speed to ever hit the U.S., grew to nearly three dozen, with fatalities reported from Cuba, Florida, and North Carolina. The storm weakened Saturday as it rolled into the mid-Atlantic, but not before it washed out bridges and piers, hurtled massive boats into buildings on shore, and sheared roofs off homes, leaving hundreds of thousands without power. In other news, Venezuela on Saturday released six U.S. citizens and one U.S. legal resident, who Washington said had been wrongfully detained in the South American country, as part of a major prisoner exchange that also saw the U.S. free two relatives of Venezuelan leader Nicolas Maduro, who were convicted of drug trafficking. President Biden celebrated the release of the U.S. citizens, some of whom had been jailed since 2017, saying it was his administration's priority to prevent Americans from being held hostage abroad. The transfer took place in an undisclosed country between the U.S. and Venezuela after the men who were involved in the prisoner swap arrived in separate planes that had departed the U.S. and Venezuela earlier Saturday. As part of Saturday's prisoner exchange, Venezuela's government said the U.S. agreed to release two nephews of Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro's wife, Celia Flores. Those two men were sentenced to prison in the U.S. for conspiracy to smuggle cocaine into the U.S. after being arrested in Haiti in 2015 during an operation backed by the DEA. The case strengthened allegations against Venezuela that high-ranking officials and people closely linked to them were deeply involved in drug trafficking. Around the world, student protests swept across Iran in a new show of lasting power for demonstrations that began more than two weeks ago with the death of a young woman in police custody. In central Tehran, protesters took to the streets in higher numbers as the Iranian work week began after a long holiday and a day after violence broke out at demonstrations Friday in restive provinces where ethnic minorities have long agitated against repression from Tehran. Police in Tehran responded by using tear gas and beating some of the protesters, witnesses said. More than 52 people have been killed, according to human rights organization Amnesty International, and thousands injured and arrested in a sweeping crackdown since protests broke out following the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini. And, 
Jimmy Carter, already the longest living U.S. president in history, turned 98 on Saturday, celebrating with family and friends in Plains, the tiny Georgia town where he and his wife, 95-year-old Rosalind, were born in the years between World War I and the Great Depression. His latest milestone came as the Carter Center, which the 39th president and the former first lady established after their one White House term, marked 40 years of promoting democracy and conflict resolution, monitoring elections, and advancing public health in the developing world. Carter Center leaders said the former president was enjoying reading congratulatory messages sent by well-wishers from around the world. Now you know, and you're ready to go with the morning news. Share this with a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also sign up for our newsletter at themorningnews.com. Thank you for listening.